welcome back to the Euctropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, it's all about vibrato, that elusive wobble that makes the ukulele sound more lyrical. And that's not something this instrument does naturally, which is why vibrato is so elusive. Stick around. This week, I'm going to focus on vibrato. It's a technique that is hard to talk about, hard to teach, sometimes hard to learn, and I don't know, I just like a challenge. Our question this week comes to us from Andy, who is a student of the Ukulele Way course, and that course is all about learning to play all of the parts simultaneously on one ukulele, something Some people call chord melody, other people call it the solo style of ukulele. Andy is working on book four of the six-part ukulele way. He's working on lesson three, Santa Lucia. Now this piece is one of the all-time most popular, most loved pieces of repertoire in the ukulele way. It's one of my favorites as well. And if you don't know the melody, I'll play it for you now, and then we'll get into Andy's question. Here's a little bit of Santa Lucia. Such a beautiful lyrical melody and such a challenge for the ukulele, which is one of the reasons I'm drawn to it. And I'm sure one of the reasons it's such a student favorite is because it really rewards your effort. When you put time and energy into this piece, the ukulele opens up and sings in a way that you may never have heard it sing before. I mean, this is just a, such a satisfying sequence of chords on this instrument. So Andy is loving this lesson, getting lost in it, but also noticing that he's having trouble with vibrato. So here's Andy's question. He says, this is so beautiful. I'm having a wonderful time learning Santa Lucia. I love the vibrato that you put on the notes, and I really struggle with getting a similar sound. Do you have any tips for getting good vibrato? Well, Andy, I said in my reply to you on the site, um, you know, this is one of my favorite topics, but it is very hard to talk about. It's even harder to write about in that little text response that, you know, I can send to students through the website. And that's one of the great things about this podcast is that I get to uh, stretch out and expand on my answer with words and audio examples. So let's do just that now. First of all, What is vibrato? What is Andy even talking about? Well, he's talking about that wobble or warble in the sound that we naturally get when we sing. 
When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. <laughs> okay, it's not exactly my forte, <laughs> but I'm having fun with it. That's amore. <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating to try to, you know, give you the sense of what I'm talking about here. That's it's that wobble in the sound. That instead of being something we want to iron out, like some kind of wrinkly shirt, it's something we actually enjoy about the sound of the voice. And it takes extra effort to remove those wrinkles, to sing like, That's amore. I can't even really do it. (laughs) That's amore. To sing kind of robotically like that, without the wave in the sound. You know, I don't know exactly why physiologically this is the way it is, but when you sing with a relaxed voice, you will tend to get this natural vibrato. If you really want to know exactly why it is, you can ask my sister, who is a wonderful uh, vocal coach, singing teacher, and opera singer. Uh, Her name is Julia, and you can find her at boothvoicestudio.com. She's great. And she'll tell you exactly why this is the way it is. I just know that it is the way it is. And when you open your mouth and you sing with a natural, unforced tone of voice, you're going to get that elusive wobble to some degree. That's amore. (laughs) Not my forte. But still, you get the idea. So when we go to imitate the voice, with an instrument that is not the voice. Well, vibrato is one of the first things that we try to incorporate. So how is it done on the ukulele? Well, how is it done on any stringed instrument? You just put your finger down and you wobble your finger. That's the most basic explanation. You wobble your finger. In fact, when I was a kid, I can't remember, maybe six or seven years old, I was learning the violin And I just started seeing everybody else's fingers wobbling and their hands kind of moving around as they were playing notes. I don't think I really knew how it was changing the sound, but I saw all the kids wobbling their fingers. And so I thought, well, I'll just wobble my finger too. I want to be in on this wobbly finger thing. And so I just started trying and I I showed up at my lesson the next week and it, it was like showing up with a new haircut, some kind of like weird, fashionable, wonky haircut. And my teacher was like, hmm... Okay, he's starting to wobble. And she didn't discourage me. She just, you know, let me discover in my own way what worked for me. I didn't know why I was doing it, but I just knew that I wanted to. And so all I knew at that point was that you wobbled your finger. But which direction you wobbled your finger, how fast you wobbled your finger, how far the wobble would be, you know, all those were subtleties that you know, I would eventually discover on a need-to-know basis, which is really how most of your evolution as a musician happens anyway. It's a need-to-know basis. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. One of my favorite quotes about education in general. So at the most basic level, vibrato on a stringed instrument means wobbling your finger. Yeah, that's very technical. Wobbling your finger, the finger that is holding down the note of the moment. 
And specifically on the ukulele, let's just say that I was holding down the G note, third finger, third fret on the second string. That's how it would sound if I don't move that fretting finger at all. And here's how it would sound with some vibrato. Or if I really exaggerate. So what am I doing to make that happen? Well, there's um, a reason that I've started with the G note. Because it's not too close to the nut where the strings pass over that piece of uh, plastic or bone on their way to the tuning pegs. I don't want to be too close to that thing because it makes it harder and harder to bend the string as I get closer and as the tension increases. I've also used my ring finger, which is a strong finger, and that makes the G note a good place to start with this. Now let's look at this with our musical microscope. What's really going on here? When you hear this sound, it's really a series of wobbles, and each one of those wobbles is a bending and releasing of the string. To do that, I'm pushing the string toward my face, and then letting it go. I could also pull the string into the palm of my hand by curling the finger. It would just bend the string down toward the floor instead of bending it up toward my face. And that's another way to get that same effect. Notice a couple of things here. First of all, with a fretted instrument, we can only ever bend the pitch up because we cannot loosen the string. We cannot make the pitch go down and vibrate below the note in pitch. We are locked into, for better or for worse, we are locked into vibrating above the note in pitch. And that's a little different from a non-fretted instrument like a cello or a violin where you have the choice of whether to vibrate below the note, as they say, where the pitch goes down and back up to the note, or if you want to vibrate above the note where the pitch goes up and then back down to the note. We don't have that option. So that's thing number one. I don't know, like it's never really held me back or bugged me that much. It's just something to note that there are limitations of adding vibrato to a fretted instrument. The other thing to note here is that I'm telling you to, to bend the string the way a blues player would bend. You know, that bending of the string is is really fun, I think. And in fact, I just recently did a podcast episode called Are There Notes Between the Frets? That's season two, episode six. And if you're really interested in that topic, go back and listen to that episode. Not everyone agrees that you should bend the string in order to get vibrato on the ukulele or the guitar or fretted instruments. Some players, in particular classical guitar and ukulele players, do this differently. They get up on the fingertip on the note of the moment, and then they rock the fingertip back and forth in a motion that is parallel to the string. And they do that with a very loose, often kind of arm, and they just rock within the fret 
on that fingertip back and forth parallel to the string. Now, if you can make that work for you, where moving parallel to the string gives you enough vibrato that it expresses the sound that you want to hear, then go for it. I've just always personally found like the effect was just too subtle. Like I I can hardly hear it. There I'm I'm just rocking back and forth like crazy. You can't see me, but boy, am I ever rocking back and forth on that parallel to the string. And you know what? I'm just not getting much out of it. And maybe I'm doing it wrong. And maybe this works better on the guitar where the frets are much wider and you do have a little bit more play in the string. But I'm telling you, it's never really worked for me. I have always used a, I guess what you could call a, a, a perpendicular motion to the string, which amounts to bending the string to get the vibrato that I use. So... Yeah, either one can work, but for my money, you're going to get a lot more expression out of the uh, bending vibrato as opposed to the parallel motion vibrato. So then the question becomes, how much of this do you add? How fast do you make these wobbles? It's like asking somebody, how much gravy are you going to put on your turkey? It becomes very much a question of taste, and personal preference. But I will tell you one quick story here that really opened my eyes and my ears to how some students struggle with vibrato and the question of how much to add and how fast to go. A few years ago, my wife Anne and I were teaching at a, um, at a music camp, and one of the students there was a fiddle player, but decided to take lessons with Anne, who's a cello player, because, you know, they understand each other. Fiddles and cellos, they're part of the same family. He wanted to get some tips from her, in particular about vibrato. And I have to admit, I couldn't help but notice that when this student played, he played with a very fast, kind of uh, almost anxious vibrato. You know, like every note was kind of... You know, very anxious very tightly wound kind of vibrato. And when Anne went into the lesson with him, she gently said to him, you know, why don't you just relax that vibrato a little bit? Why why don't you just slow it down? And there was a moment where he just had an epiphany and he was like, what do you mean slow down the vibrato? He was like, that's my speed. (laughs) And it turns out that he really thought that You were born with a certain speed of vibrato, and that was just your speed, the way that you're born with a certain eye color or the way your height is coded into your genetics. He thought that, you know, there there was like a, a part of your genetic code that controlled how fast your vibrato would go, and that was it, and you just had to live with it. And, I mean, this I couldn't believe that when I heard it because I've always felt that vibrato was an expressive tool, almost like a throttle that lets you ramp up or ramp down the intensity of the music, depending on what you're playing. Like if I'm playing a beautiful, gentle Hawaiian melody, I might use a very slow, broad vibrato 
But if I'm playing something that is a little bit more mysterious or that has more nervous energy to it, you know, I might speed up the vibrato. And this was a new thing for this student, and it was a complete game changer. And so I offer that to you in case you're out there thinking that you have a speed that you are born with. It's really not like that. You have a whole range of color that's available to you, a whole range of expression. And it all comes down to how fast those bends are and how wide each one of them is. I want to wrap up this week with some real practical strategies that will help you to bring vibrato into your daily practice and help you to get better at vibrato and more comfortable with this technique every single day. Of course, you could just do sort of what I did as a kid, which was just bash around and try a whole bunch of things until you find something that works for you. And if that's the case, then there's not much I can do right now to help you other than just demonstrate, as I have, some of the flavors of vibrato so that you can try to imitate those and explore those ideas. But if you're more of a methodical thinker and you like to plan your practice out, well, then this approach might work for you. Just take any old metronome. I'm going to set it to 60 which means that you could also just use a clock on the wall or a watch because 60 beats per minute is just one beat per second. And start the metronome. And then choose a note that you want to practice on. We could choose G that we've been playing throughout this episode. I wouldn't go any lower down toward the nut than the note G. I might go to the note A, and just for fun, let's go to the note A, fifth fret on the second string. Fifth fret on the second string. Now I'm using my ring finger once again because I find that to be a, a strong finger for me. So I'm going to bend that note in time with the metronome, like this. Notice that I'm, I'm just bending up for now. I'm just pushing the note up one pluck of the string for each tick of the metronome. This is a really nice way to annoy your neighbors and your spouse. Okay, the next step is to bend it up and then bring it down all in the span of one tick of the metronome, like this. Up and down, up and down, up and down, just like that. I'm pushing the string toward my face, in other words, toward the ceiling. You can try that, or you can try pulling the string down into your palm. It should sound the same, like this. It's just really a matter of what feels best for your hand. And I should note that if you're on the uh, string closest to the floor, well, you're going to want to push that string toward your face because otherwise it'll fall off the side. And similarly, if you're on the fourth string, you're going to want to pull that one down into your palm because otherwise it will fall off the side as well. So both techniques are worth practicing. Okay, 
Now we're going to speed it up a little bit more. Instead of going ba-i-yam, 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 we're going to go ba-i-ya-i, ba-i-ya-i. That's two bends in the span of one tick of the metronome. From there, you can try even faster. You could go to triplets like triple it, triple it, triple it, triple it. Wow, I'm working hard already. I'm still just plucking once for every tick of the metronome, but now I'm going up and down three times for each one of those ticks. Now, the final step, you guessed it, is to go four times for each tick of the metronome. Now, this is really, you're just really moving at this point. <laughs> that is really hard. I can hardly keep that up. My, my fingers are sweating and falling off the strings. That's the extreme end of this exercise. Now, that is a very methodical way to start slow, and using the metronome as your guide, get faster and faster as you go. Now, we've gone through that at absolute light speed. You might spend days or weeks on each one of those and maybe only do it for two or three minutes a day. This is not a thing that you want to overdo. It's physically pretty taxing. So just take it in very small chunks. It doesn't take long. One minute of that is a long time. And don't forget, give that poor ring finger a break and switch to other fingers. You should be able to do this kind of thing on every finger. Now, each one is going to feel different. Here's the pinky finger. Here's the ring finger. Here's the middle finger. And here's the index finger. I find that index finger is the hardest one, which is strange because I always think that my index finger is my strongest finger in some ways. It's the one that does all the bar chords, you know. Surely that index finger is going to have no trouble with vibrato. But as it turns out, that's the one that I find the most awkward. All the more reason to practice on each finger through this entire 60 beats per minute exercise. Okay, so one more bonus idea before we wrap it up here today. And that is, what about vibrato on chords? Can that work? Well, it turns out, yes, it can work. And it can sound really great. Here's a chord with no vibrato. And here's the same chord with vibrato. You hear that? For guitarists, it's, it's kind of like having a whammy bar, but you're doing this with your fingers. And it just goes, yeah, 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 <laughs> It just adds a kind of an energy to the chord. Now, I'm not going to go into all the little technical ins and outs of this. I want to leave you with that as a challenge. Can you take the ideas that we've explored today on single note vibrato? Can you apply those ideas to vibrato on chords? I think you can. If you want to figure it out, you will. If you're hungry for that technique and that sound, you will dive in and do it. And you will very soon discover 
that it is very hard to vibrate on an open string, and it's also very hard to vibrate on bar chords. So that's why chords that have one finger per string tend to be the ones that work best for chord vibrato. But I'll leave that to you as a special challenge. Andy's original question was, how do we get good vibrato? I hope this discussion has been helpful for you and shows you some practical ways forward to work on this technique. Let's end with um, Santa Lucia with a bit of vibrato. And I want you to notice when I'm adding the vibrato and that it's not on every single note or every single chord. This is a matter of taste. And some people will say, yes, you need to put vibrato on every single note. Personally, I like to use vibrato as more of a spotlight to highlight certain notes, especially those notes that are longer in duration and higher up on the fretboard. Those notes that just want to sing. Those are the notes where I'm going to add a little bit of that elusive wobble. You'll hear it in particular as the melody gets into the higher frets, like... Because that's where the music just cries out to be as lyrical as possible. So it's in those moments that I'm going to really try to put my money where my mouth is and add some vibrato to this beautiful melody. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Euketropolis podcast, and thanks to Andy for the question that inspired this week's episode. I'm your host, James Hill, and I'll be back again next week with something special for all those baritone ukulele players out there. Yes, there's a new course coming. I'm very excited about it. It's called Baritone Ukulele Jazz, and it's the baritone ukulele version of the very popular ukulele jazz course at euketropolis.com. So we'll be launching that and celebrating that new course next week. Bring your baritone ukulele. And until then, keep on strumming.